You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz. Thank you for listening today. Glad you are tuning in. Excited about today. We've been in the series over the last few episodes just talking about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. I'm excited to have Matt Van Winkle on the line with us today from Mississippi. Uh, He is in the process of preparing to move to Minneapolis, Minnesota to be a church planter. He's 28 years old and is passionate about all things Holy Spirit. Thanks for joining, man. We've uh, we've been talking the last several minutes uh, off air, and I'm just excited about this, man. I think it's been a good series the last few episodes that we've been in. So glad that you're jumping in and going to be a part of uh, be a part of this series. Kind of you know the question I wanted to ask you today is is really simple, just about the Holy Spirit in general. And you know we've been dialoguing about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, specifically speaking in tongues. Uh, prophecy, word of knowledge, healings, things of that nature. And, you know, you and I know there, there's a segment of Christianity that will say, hey, those things are done. They ended, you know, at the end of the first century when the apostles died or when the when the canon was completed. You know, we know that there is a, a segment of Christianity that that, that believes that. Uh, I do not belong to that segment of Christianity. Um, I've got lots of friends that do, and I respect them and love them and, and trust their words and opinion. But, you know, I disagree with them there. And and so I want to just ask your opinion. You tell me, to, you know, from your perspective, when you see in Scripture, what is appropriate for the believer today when it comes to speaking in tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge, or, or anything else that you would put in that same um, umbrella? How should that be playing out in the life of the believer? The, the average Christian, what should they be engaging in? What should, should it be looking like for the average believer on a day-to-day basis? Well, I think— uh... I had a professor who uh, who really embodied this idea, and his phrase, which I'm going to totally steal, is uh, living by the nudge. And it's this idea that the Holy Spirit within you, the gifts of the Spirit are awesome, and when they're in operational, it's great. But the main thing is that he gives you power, and he gives you the wisdom to do the right thing at the right time. So, for instance, you know, when... when uh, Peter and John went to the gate beautiful that day in Acts 4. Uh, that wasn't their first time there. You know, they had seen this guy. He'd been there for a while. But in that moment when they saw him, you know, Luke doesn't necessarily say it in, in Acts, but it's pretty clear the Holy Spirit gave Peter the idea, hey, this is the time for this man to be healed. And I think a lot of times um, the, the way the believer acts, it, it's really just a – point at which the Holy Spirit can say, hey, it's time to do this now. Um, it's it's that check. It's just, as Dr. Bartel puts it, it's the nudge. You know, it's just this idea that every once in a while you'll get a feeling and you know that you know that it's not just you thinking it's the Holy Spirit. And I think for the believer in just an everyday going about your life kind of thing, that's where it's the best. Because you know, you might not know exactly what to say, but he'll give you the nudge and say, hey, you need to say something. And as the conversation goes, um, it, it's clear that God's in that conversation, and it's clear that the Holy Spirit has you there at that time for a reason. Uh, I think that that's the 
biggest thing uh, on a day-to-day um, just Christian life that the believer can really, really benefit from having the Holy Spirit. Dude, that's really great thoughts. So what, what I hear you saying is, man, it's not necessarily about that list of gifts that sometimes can be controversial, but it's really just about the Holy Spirit just on a regular day, giving like you know, consulting with him, him giving us ideas, him him nudging us as you, you know, as your as your professor mentions, um, and just him, and and basically he's going to illuminate, he's going to point out things that otherwise we would have missed, like Peter and John there, you know, missing the opportunity, but because the Holy Spirit is nudging them and leading them, they they have an opportunity to engage in a really cool story and then a, a miracle that God wanted to do, and so. I, I hear you saying it's not it's not about those. So why do you think then so often in, in these when, when people have the conversations about the Holy Spirit, why does it so often become about the things that are controversial and why doesn't it stay stay on the simple nudging as you put it? Uh <laughs> it's one of those God things once again. Uh I think that goes back kinda I'm gonna look in my Bible real quick, make sure I have my uh my scripture reference. Correct, but I think it's in Acts 8 when um, Philip goes to Samaria. Yeah, in Acts 8, Philip goes to Samaria and uh, they start to do signs and wonders. And, and Peter and John lay their hands on the believers in Samaria and they're filled with the Spirit. And it's this amazing time. And uh, this guy, Simon, comes over and it's like, Hey, um, what do I need to do? How much can I pay you to get that gift? And so I think the gifts are so focused on and so uh, magnified simply because they are an outward expression. It, it is that very visible something is going on. And even in our culture, I say our culture, it's really been cultures throughout history. Being able to have that something has been really important to people. So – you know, in our modern culture now, Pentecostals and Charismatics and and the like have that that gifting, that that Holy Spirit um, movement sometimes. And I think those who would say, uh, "Well, that's not real," is it's kind of like, "Well, why don't I have that?" I don't know that to be true, but um, but it definitely seems like that could lead to it. Um, but I think also. You know the the idea that some of the gifts have been taken and used incorrectly uh, at times. Um, that things have happened that weren't the Holy Spirit. That people said were the Holy Spirit, and things were misused. I think that's also given some of the gifts a negative slant. Mm, that's a really great point, man. Uh, I've had this conversation with many people before, and just the idea, again, just like you said, because we've seen an abuse. In, in certain church circles, in certain camps, um, you know, in in certain types of church services, then sometimes that kind of becomes a turnoff, and, and then people begin to altogether reject the Holy Spirit or elements of the Holy Spirit because of that, which is really sad, I think, in my opinion. Um, and so, uh, how, what would you say if someone came to you and said, Matt, actually, I think that the Holy Spirit does function in our lives, but there is no such thing as outward manifestations anymore. Uh, because they believe that, you know, and typically, you know, First Corinthians, the, the perfect has come. That's kind of the, the go-to passage. What's your response if someone says to you, that stuff is fake or not for today or if it's from the devil? You know, I've, I've heard all those things. How do you typically respond to that if someone's saying that? 
Well, I think my first response, especially to the when the perfect has come idea um, that, you know, once the canon was closed, the perfect had come. I think that that's a misreading of what Paul is saying. Um, He's talking about love. And clearly when Paul talks about love, when the Bible talks about love, it's really referring to God. Um, And so I think that when the perfect has come, that has to be a reference to Jesus' second coming here on earth. Uh, You know, whether or not, you know, how that happens, what your eschatological beliefs are, you know, that's that's, um, for us to, you know, wonder about, I guess. But for me, the the perfect is clearly, you know, Christ coming back to earth. Um, So that's how I would, you know, approach the conversation on that side. But then on the other side is just the... um, what sometimes Pentecostals get, or Charismatics, I say, get um, blasted on, I guess that's the best word I can think of, is that there is an element of experience to it. And when you have that experience in a Pentecostal service, it's hard to say, well, that wasn't real. And I think a lot of times... Um, people that that say you know that that just doesn't happen anymore it's because they've never experienced that and our our pentecostal fathers you know going back to the 1900s and when this new quote unquote new era of pentecostalism came about um you know there were times where they they had to search the scriptures and they had to go through some theological arguments to come to where we are today but i also believe that their experiences did not shape their theology they allowed the theology to speak for itself, and then they were able to look at their experiences and say, look, this matches what the Bible says. And if what we're doing matches what the Bible says, then it can't be incorrect. And so you know, we see um, speaking in tongues and then an interpretation. Well, that matches what happens in Corinthians. You know, We see uh, someone give a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Well, that matches what happens in 1 Corinthians. What would be the appropriate context for someone in the body of Christ who believes they have a word for the church, you know, a message in tongues? What should that look like? I think a lot of times, uh, for me specifically, uh, always defer to whoever is in charge. Um, I think I think Paul would agree with me in uh, in 1 Corinthians 14 and 15 that there has to be an order to the service and God has placed someone in charge of that service usually it's the pastor and uh and we follow his leading you know there have been times in a service where i thought hey we need to just sit and wait on god i feel like he's really wants to do something and pastor just kept going <laughs> and i'm like okay and i i might have told him later that i felt that but I wouldn't tell him then. And so in those services, I think the key is taking cues from the leader. And, uh, you know, if you have a good spirit-filled leader, they're going to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, you know what, at this point, we're just going to wait on God for a second. And in those times that we're waiting on God, that's when I believe it's appropriate for a message in tongues or a word of prophecy. Um, If the speaker's in the middle of a sermon – and someone just starts, just stands up and starts screaming, um, 
or just stands up and gives a word of prophecy, that's unbiblical and it's out of order, and that is not the right time for it by any stretch of the imagination. And there you have it, my interview with Matt Van Winkle. Big shout out to Matt. Thank you so much for taking time out to connect with me and invest in our audience. I want to highly encourage every single believer, just say, Spirit of God, will you uh, allow us to cultivate a friendship that is vibrant and dynamic? Will you allow me to live my life with the nudge the way that... Uh, you know, the way that Matt pointed out that his professor uh, at college did, just like pointing the idea like I'm living my life in such a way that God is with me. He's always nudging me in the direction he wants me to go, in the direction of making right choices, in the direction of heading toward the best ideal scenarios, in the direction, nudging me in the direction of talking to who I need to talk to and saying what I need to to say and not saying what I don't need to say and, and, and guiding me and nudging me when to use the gifts of the Spirit appropriately and when not not to use those those spiritual gifts like the idea of having this friendship this common communion with the holy spirit where we live with the holy spirit is an incredible idea and i think as matt pointed out is is clearly an idea that god wants for for christians and that god wants for the body of christ day in and day out so i'd encourage you go to the spirit of god and ask him for that i promise i believe that he will that he'll show up and he'll he'll begin to cultivate that in your life Before I let you go, let me just remind everyone to please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. You can find us in any podcast app, whether that's the Apple Podcast app on your iPhone or your iPad, whether that's iTunes on your desktop, or any of the others, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and any of the Android podcast apps. You can find us on any of them. Make sure you subscribe. guarantees that every episode gets delivered directly to your device. Also, if you happen to have a question or a topic that you'd like me to address on the podcast, please feel free to shoot me an email. Also, if you know a guest you think would make a great uh, interview guest, please let me know. Feel free to shoot me an email. It's heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Also, please be sure to find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.